What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Warning, listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. There are currently absolutely no trade rumors surrounding him. Bill's Mafia, what is going on? Thank you so much for choosing to spend your Monday with me. You're listening to Buffalo on the Brain with your host, Vince Taylor. Hope you're listening to me on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Yes, that's absolutely true. There are no takers in trade. I believe Dave had me out on the trade block fishing for offers, and uh, there were no takers. Not even for a future seventh-round pick. So here I am putting out another podcast for you to listen to. And, you know, I have a couple things I want to talk about this week. Um, I'm inspired by a couple of happenings during the week. I, I liked... If you don't listen to Jake Jordan and the lowdown on Fridays, I liked his rant a lot, but I also liked the post or tweet, I should say, that Bruce Nolan put out earlier this week. The tweet basically said that Nathan Peterman and Aaron Rodgers have the same number of pick sixes in their career and without wanting to put words in Bruce's mouth. I mean, the point of the post was, look, you got to dig deeper sometimes. Basic raw stats do not tell the whole story. And so I was inspired to go on a little rant of my own um, and follow the trend, I guess. But I like that tweet because I think there are different levels to that tweet. Uh, I think there are little nuances. And, you know, I wanted to talk about stats and fandom and how fans look at stats or how we use stats to justify some of our opinions. Um, And in facts, I believe that stats are a wonderful tool. So when you listen to this podcast, I please, I don't want you to think that I, I discard or I overlook stats. That's not the case at all. I like stats. I also believe stats can be incorrect and they can tell the wrong story, which is why I want to start this podcast by comparing and contrasting the two paradigms. And I'm going to use two of the smartest members of Bill's Mafia to be the center point of my argument. And I did not know until recently that Bruce was a listener. So I'm very humbled by that. And actually had to re-record this pod because there's a lot of pressure when he calls you out. I also use Joe Marino. And the reason why I like these two so much is because I think they're very different. I think Bruce is a very analytically driven fan. 
I love his podcast. His podcast often is about using stats to spot trends and what to look for and how you can discern and glean little pieces of information out of that to form your opinion. And I love that. The thing I also love about Bruce is Bruce is smart enough to know when you have to apply the nuance. Bruce just did a whole pod on what it might look like for, quote, regression for Josh Allen this coming season and how the stats could drop and it would not be regression. And that is why I love Bruce, because he knows when to apply the nuance instead of just looking at stats. Uh, And don't forget, Bruce is also the creator of the QB Sue, which I think does a pretty good job. Um, I don't want to say that I agree with everything on there 100%, but Bruce created that metric for many different ones. And some of the ones he used are some of the more, I guess, subjective ones, uh, you know, allowing a little room for eyeball tests. So that is part of that equation as well. Uh, It's not just a purely statistically driven, um, although that's a big part of it, set of parameters and metrics. So on the whole, the QB stew is really great. And I think it matches up with what my eyeballs want to tell me. Um, Maybe not 100%, but really close. And that's going to bring us to the other paradigm is what do I see with my eyes? And how does that conflict or maybe be supported by what the stats say? At the other end of the paradigm, in my opinion, we have Joe Marino. Joe spends a ton of time watching college football and knows the players inside and out more than any of us normal fans. And I think maybe a lot of paid media members do too. I'm just blown away by the amount of knowledge that Joe has. And if you listen to his pod, he breaks down a lot of players. So when he watches a game and he's forming an opinion on football, his opinion is based on what his eyeballs are telling him. And I'm not saying that to, to say that Joe will not use stats or discount stats completely. That is not why I believe that Joe is smart enough to know when to try to get some information from statistics as well. So I, I think those two are opposite ends of the paradigm. And I, I want to use them to build my argument and talk about how us normal fans try to use stats and how uh, our fandom is influenced by that. So I hope neither Bruce nor Joe are uh, offended by the way that I'm viewing their work. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to make them look bad or maybe pigeonhole them. Um, but I do think they get their information in very different ways. And I think they agree quite honestly, it feels like they agree on a lot of things as well. Um, but like I said, Bruce is very analytically driven. That doesn't mean he won't take in some nuance from watching a game. And the exact same thing is true for Joe, I believe. Joe will watch it and rely on his eyes first, but I think he's smart enough to know when he needs to kind of apply the stat argument. In my opinion, these are two of the smartest members of Bill's Mafia, uh, and I enjoy listening to them both, and they're both very different. Now, I'm just a normal fan. Um, I, I think that I rely a little bit more on what my eyeballs tell me, but I do pride myself on trying to be very measured. 
I, I like to, I do like to take in both sides of the argument and I admit I can be wrong. I can also be swayed. I'm rarely dug in on some things unless you're going to tell me that Cam Newton is a great quarterback. Um, right now in 2021 or 2020, he was fucking terrible. And I'm not moving off that no matter what stats you throw at me. I am a very measured person. I think that's part of my personality. I've taken the Myers-Briggs test five or six times in my life uh, for various jobs. And I usually come out very much in the middle. I'm moderate. I, I believe that if I were to take that test now or six months from now or a month from now, it doesn't usually move very much. I'm usually in the middle. I don't swing very hard on one category. Um, I think it's maybe moved a little bit, but the one category that I'm consistently high on is judgy. Um, I'm a very judgy person. That's a character flaw. So love me for all my flaws. But generally speaking, um, I have, I believe, a pretty good ability to take in both perception, um, you know, thinking, feeling, intuition. Uh, I believe that's who I am. My wife calls me an ambivert. For me personally, I value being measured above everything else. Um, when I watch a football game, I am fan first the first time I watch a game. I am all screaming at the TV and uh, completely 100% engrossed into that. I, I can't have a critical eye. I can notice things during the game. I might have a different opinion during the heat of the moment. Later, if I watch the game a second time, I don't watch that game the same way. I might try to be a little bit more critical. Uh, I'm looking for things that were interesting to me the first time or key parts of the game. I'm not knowledgeable enough or smart enough to really pick out a lot of the nuances like, for example, a Joe Marino. He would know more about what they're supposed to be doing on the play, and he could criticize their technique, and that's just not who I am. I'm a fan first. So when I'm judging a player or I'm watching a game, maybe what I see isn't always matching up with what is true, but I believe my eyes more often than not. And I have a couple examples maybe that I want to use. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, for example. I watched Tremaine Edmonds from his rookie year. I did not think he was very good in pass coverage. I watched him last year. I actually thought he was a lot better. Now, I know he wasn't perfect, so please don't hear that. That's not what I'm saying. I thought he was pretty good, and I know we have weaknesses against tight ends, and it does seem that uh, they're always open against us, but on the whole, I thought Tremaine was very good this year. That may not be true if you uh, are, are just a, if you're applying a statistical argument to that, and I my eyeballs could be wrong. PFF had him graded as one of the lowest rated linebackers in the league last year in pass coverage. And, and you can take that for what it's worth. Um, but, you know, I'm open to the idea that I might be wrong about that. But I also think there's lots of other little nuances that might go into watching a game. And maybe if you're just trying to form your opinion based on looking at Bruce would call raw stats you can very easily get misled. And a great example of this, I think, is let's say you have a running back. He had 15 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. That's a healthy yards per carry average that's hitting the 100-yard mark. That's getting a touchdown on the ground. If you're a fantasy player, you say, what's wrong with that? 
if you are just judging that on the stats, it looks good on the surface. But what if you break that down? What if you go just one step further and what if you're looking at maybe some little more details of that? What if that running back got a 70-yard run on his first carry of the game? What if he ended up with the rest of his 14 carries getting just 30 yards? Now, did that running back have a great day? I believe that to be very debatable because, well, there's a lot of little nuances to that. Maybe you could have the opinion that he got it done on the ground, even if he didn't do well with the rest of his carries. Maybe you can look at the game and you can see that the reason why he had that long run to begin with was a mistake by the linebacker, possibly going to a different hole. And yes, he took advantage of it. But did he really have a great day? Did he do anything else? Um, Very, very debatable. I think sometimes we can look at running back catches the same way too. Um, A running back catching a pass out of the backfield is not the same as a wide receiver going down the field and being a cornerback. Um, So when I see a guy like Leonard Fournette piling up catches out of the running back position, it's great for fantasy. But I don't think that is a true indicator of his talent. And somebody who's watching a game with more of uh, their eyeballs first and wanting to believe what they see might pick up on these things. Um, and for people like Bruce, and by the way, I do not believe I'm, I don't want to pigeonhole Bruce into one paradigm. I think that's his, what he likes to do, but I, I believe Bruce has the ability to do both, but to, to use that paradigm and not, not Bruce specifically, if you're only a stats driven person, maybe you don't see that. Maybe you can get that, stats telling you a story that's not necessarily what's happening. I also believe that there are many fans of us in Bill's Mafia, and really I don't think that's necessarily only true of Bill's Mafia. I think it's true of sports fans no matter where you are. We can misuse stats and misquote stats and use stats to tell a story. Um, I want to go back to Tremaine Edmonds. Because I believe Buffalo Ceilings commented on something last week that said, doesn't matter how you feel about Tremaine Edmonds, you can find stats that support your argument. And I think he's right. I think that is true sometimes as well. You can find things to build your argument with stats. So knowing how to go one step deeper, knowing not to uh, rely on just raw stats, knowing when... that your eyeballs tell you a story that might be uh, contradictory of what a stats might say and and vice versa. Uh, I also think that we can be a little careless with how we extrapolate stats and and try to build our opinions on that. Like truly analytical people, we're not going to use small sample sizes. Um, Small sample sizes are garbage. Uh, They don't tell a story very well. For example, the running back scenario that I laid out, On his first carry of the game, he got uh, a 60-yard touchdown or 70-yard touchdown. Does that mean he's going to get that every time he touches the ball? No, because that would be a ridiculous argument. What if you took that sample size and made it just a little bit bigger? What if you took his game sample size and tried to apply that to the entire season? Is he going to get 100 yards and a touchdown every single game? No, that's just as ridiculous. But the larger the sample size is, the more it's going to regress to the mean. Um, and I think a lot of people can sometimes fall into that trap. Um, you know, and there's so many different variables there, like the, the defenses and the rush defense rank. Um, so, 
you know, I think we need to be careful when we're trying to project stats out like that. For me personally, um, I want, I'm going to go back and touch on Bruce's QB stew for just a moment because I thought with my eyeballs that Derek Carr had a really good year last year. I'm a Derek Carr fan and I'm higher on him than most, but last year I was, I felt like I was a little justified according to Bruce's QB stew. I would be justified because the metrics do back that up. Um, I thought Josh Allen was amazing last year. Well, according to Bruce's QB stew, he was a second ring quarterback last year. Um, and that's music to a lot of people's ears. Now, what do my eyes tell me? Is Josh Allen better than Patrick Mahomes? Listen, I can't get there. Not yet. Um, maybe he's still got some learning to do. Maybe he can get there, but I can't get there right now. Um, but for the 2020 season, there's not a lot to, to really hate on Josh for with your eyeballs. And I don't think that gap is very big, um, which, you know, I, I realize that when you say that some people are going to take offense. But here I am talking about comparing Josh Allen to Super Bowl winning phenom like Patrick Mahomes and uh, saying that they're close and and we're going to take offense to that. And I think that tells a story all on its own. That's amazing. I don't know how you want to look at that, but uh, maybe that's where sometimes my eyeballs might disagree with stats a little bit, but I'm always open to being wrong. So we have Bruce and we have Joe, two guys who I respect and are two of the smartest members of Bill's Mafia who collect information in different ways, but they're also both smart enough to know when they need to pull back and assess the other side of their argument. They don't have to be married to just one thing when they're trying to form an opinion. So how do normal fans do this? Because I think there's a lot of right answers. I think there's a lot of different types of fans and I'm not here to tell you how to fan. I enjoy sports. I enjoy the different paradigms and I enjoy the different arguments. I don't care for trolls who are disingenuous or arguing ridiculous things. And um, maybe we know some folks who can only quote stats, who have no ability to move their opinion based on what the stats tell them. Do we know people like that? I think that I do. What if you know somebody that is unable to move off from their opinion no matter what stats or evidence you give them? I think we know people like that too. Um, but generally speaking, I enjoy listening to the different arguments. I have a very low tolerance uh, for people who are being disingenuous or are arguing things that they don't want to believe or are, are arguing things that are easily disproven. I don't, I don't care for that type of fan. Now, being Bills fans, we, a lot of us, I don't want to say all of us, but many of us live through the drought years. And uh, it was a very difficult time to be a Bills fan. And I think that's a testament to how awesome the Bills Mafia community. It's awesome anyway, and the podcasting community is absolutely top-notch. Um, but does that make us a little bit of a different fan base? Because I still think there are the two main types of fans. We have the fans who are homers. Everything the Bills do is awesome. Everything is going to work. I don't want to hear anything negative because the Bills are great. Um, I think those fans are fun. I wish that I could be that guy. I honestly do because I think 
my life would be more fun if I didn't always have to pull back and reassess things. But uh, I'm a little bit jealous. Sometimes it's a little annoying, but I'm a little bit jealous of those Homer, ultra Homer fans, um, because I, I wish that I could be that and I'm not. And maybe we still have people who are scarred from the drought. That's our gloomy gusses. Everything's terrible. Same old bills, whatever. They're never going to win. That can get a little bit annoying too. But I don't want to sit here and say that those kind of fans are not without some merit or value because they can be a little bit more willing to think things through critically. And they might have good arguments. Now, sometimes we don't want to hear them because we just don't want to hear bad things about our team. But I think there's value in listening to somebody who's a little negative sometimes. And, you know, um, I don't want to name any names, but you have to listen to what they're saying sometimes and to maybe just try to be open to the other side of the argument. Because like I said, I value and I prize being measured above everything else. And that matters to me more than uh, being genuine. I think matters to me more than being right. And I believe that as a fan, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I'm not a gloomy Gus, but I'm not a a complete homer either. I try very hard to be measured. I I believe that's where I am. And if I could just go back to Tremaine Edmonds for just a moment, I said earlier that it's likely that no matter how you feel about Tremaine Edmonds, and believe me, that's very polarizing here in Bill's community, it doesn't matter. You have stats to back up what you want. I'm more measured. I'm, I really believe that I'm right there in the middle because I also think you can't rely solely on stats. I think you have to be able to add a little bit of eyeballs and a little bit of objective thinking and know when to apply the nuance, just like Bruce, just like Joe. I think right now in the Bills community, though, if you say anything critical or anything approaching even a little bit of critical about Jermaine Edmonds, they want to take that to the other extreme. You hate Tremaine Edmonds, you're a hater. Because you can't be measured sometimes. We don't want to hear that. And uh, I think that's my default. Now, there's a Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen debate that had been happening mostly last week, but I think it spilled over into this, into this week. And this is a, a, a maybe a part where I think your eyeballs can seriously help. Even in Lamar Jackson's MVP year, he was not a great passer. He had 36 touchdown passes. How many did he have last year? 26. So I I felt that way with my eyes, even if the stats may have bared that for one full season. It didn't feel legit to me. But people are going to cling to stats, are going to cling to stats. Did he have a great season? Absolutely. Is Lamar a talented franchise quarterback? Yes, he is. Is he a great passer? Well, I don't think he is. My eyeballs don't tell me that. And it looks like the stats are backing that up as well. He seems to have a a big season of regression. He's never been a big passing yards guy. Um, So I kind of felt like that might have been likely. So we've talked about two of the more visible and vocal and uh, smarter members of Bill's Mafia and Bruce Nolan and Joe Marino and how I think they're different. Um, and I hope they're not offended by that if they are listening. I'm not sure they are. But um, what about regular fans? What about regular fans across the country? How how are we looking at stats? Because I guarantee you, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're probably thinking of somebody you know, a friend or a coworker or um, your in-law that annoys you with their inability to see your point of view when you're trying to give them an argument. 
Um, maybe it's because they don't know how to do anything but quote stats. Is that annoying? Um, maybe it's because they don't care about stats. They just want to have their opinion and, and they don't want to be moved off from it. Is that guy a person too? Do, do we know somebody like that? Um, I, I think I do. I think I know a lot of people that fit in both categories. But the truth is, unless we're Joe Marino or even Bruce, and we do not spend hours and hours watching football, uh, a lot of us do use stats to form a rough idea of who this kind of player is, and, and that can be misleading sometimes. We talk about it every year in free agency, how uh, somebody's an up-and-coming sack player, but you know, I think this year maybe that guy was Carl Lawson. But do they ever really turn into what we think they are? No, they're fine players. They just get overpaid for. Um, so we're all normal fans are guilty of that to some degree because we don't we might have caught a game from them and we might be able to look up their stats, but do we really, really know what kind of player they are unless we're watching all the football? And by the way, we can still be wrong and have bad opinions, even if we are watching all the football. Um, professionals get it wrong. Amateur fans are going to get it wrong too. And maybe it doesn't have to be related to stats. Maybe we can form opinions of players based on nothing more than their draft position. Um, I think I can be guilty of that. If a person's drafted higher, I tend to think, well, scouts have scouted him, so he must be a better player. Well, you know, NFL scouts are wrong quite often as well, and it's worse because they put in all the extra work to try to be right, and they can still be wrong. So there's nothing wrong with being a fan and having a bad opinion or being wrong about it. Um, Sometimes I think you just got to admit it and move on because nobody cares. Nobody cares if if they you get. A, I'm wrong all the time. I, I've disagreed with many people that are much more. I've disagreed with Bruce. I've disagreed with Joe. I've disagreed with uh, Jay Spence the King, um, and I consider them all smarter than me. But um, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you can have an opinion. You can be wrong, and nobody really cares. Uh, and if somebody wants to beat you down for having a wrong opinion, <laughs> well, I think they're playing with fire because they're going to be able to dig one up on them too. But I, I think the important thing here is, at least for me, uh, I, I at least want to be open to the idea that I can be wrong. Um, now, there are t- I will dig my heels on, on some things when I know exactly what my eyes tell me. For example, Cam Newton last year, fucking terrible. Nobody's going to move me off that opinion. But generally speaking, I want to be open to the idea that I'm wrong. Um, and that doesn't mean that I can be swayed by stats. I might use stats to support my argument. I might not like stats. They might not feel legit. For example, Lamar Jackson's MVP season when he threw all of his touchdowns. Um, I don't know. I'm not even sure this is a very interesting pod for most of you, but it was something that I, I think that I wanted to talk about um, because there are so many of us, and there, I don't think there's a really wrong way to fan unless you're completely closed-minded. Uh, the Homer guys... Uh, I think we all know some guys like that. Those are the fun guys. Those are the guys I want to be. The gloomy Gusses are maybe a little bit overcritical, but at least they do have that critical thinking ability that I prize. Um, I, I'm, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. And uh, I, I enjoy all different kinds of fans. I like the different arguments. I think that's what makes sports fun. Um, I think that's why I like baseball. Baseball is largely based on stats. Stat heads love the game of baseball 
I think they love the game of stats more than they do with the love of game of baseball. Um, but I like listening to the arguments and, and who's right ultimately is, is the eyeball test guy, right? Or is the stat guy, right? And the answer is, I think, yeah, you're both right at different times. You gotta know when to let go of your arguments. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I hope you enjoyed this rant. Uh, it's something that I really wanted to put out there after reading Bruce's post this week. Um, Maybe some of you don't enjoy it as much, and I apologize for that, uh, but this is something that I like talking about. Speaking of valuing a player more, maybe based on his draft position, Nikhil Harry trying to get out of New England. Uh, first rounder just two years ago. They're asking, well, I hear the asking price right now is a fifth or a sixth rounder, which is ridiculous. Um, now, Nikhil Harry was... I remember him being a very polarizing prospect when he came out. There were a lot of members of even Bill's Mafia that were pounding the table. Nikhil Harry is the guy. He's big. He's strong. He can make all the catches. Uh, I remember that. I also remember the draft head community was very bullish on him. Uh, so that was a place where um, maybe the draft community had something over the uh, stat heads. But, um, yeah, looking for a fifth or sixth round pick to get rid of him. He's just a first rounder a couple years ago. I feel a little sorry for him. Um, That New England offense in 2019 was just garbage. Uh, They still had Tom Brady, so it was a little better than what they had last year with Cam. Last year with Cam was a total trash dumpster fire, whatever you want to say, insert your word here. Uh, It's terrible. But uh, it was better than that when Brady was there, but not great. And coming in as a rookie, it's always difficult. Um, you know, I cut rookies a little bit of slack. And then his second year, he had to deal with catching passes from Cam, which, by the way, if you've seen the video of the Patriots quarterbacks, like, third against air and overthrowing people and sailing it into the stands on, like, a 10-yard pass, wow, that's... That's terrible. And you know that if it was Josh Allen, it'd be all over ESPN or everywhere. We'd be talking about it, you know, for the next three months. But um, I can see why he would want to get out right now. That's not a very enticing place to be uh, if you're a wide receiver. Uh, Jacoby Myers was actually pretty decent last year catching balls uh, from Cam. Um, I think I think the best way the, the Patriots get better is – uh, maybe starting Brian Hoyer is the, probably the way to go right now. So Bills Mafia, that is all I have for you this week. I have a great hot seat. I have friend of the pod and teammate here on the Built in Buffalo team, Caveman, over from the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. He'll be joining us on the hot seat, as well as Dan Konopsky. You may know him from his Be Friends with reed ferguson campaign uh i i just think he's he's different he's funny he's silly i enjoy that type of humor i i was thrilled that he wanted to be part of my pod actually i asked him and he said yes but um i'm kind of thinking of maybe trying to collaborate with him on a a few different things here in the future but um i like him a lot I, i think you guys will too if you've not heard of him please go check out his stuff uh he's very talented and he's also very funny So, without further ado, the Bills Mafia Hot Seat. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat. 
they built in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. Bill's Mafia. Next up in the hot seat is a man I'm sure you're familiar with. My teammate over on the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. You can catch him with his weekly videos. He does an awesome job. I'm very proud uh, to have him on the team. Michael Lisman, the caveman. How are you today? Very good. How are you, Vince? Happy to be back on the hot seat. I'm looking forward to what you got for me. My man, I always make time for you. You're my guy. You know the drill. You're the first one of the week. I have 10 questions. Which one would you like? Um, I feel like everybody, I feel like a lot of people take seven on your show. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take, I'm going to take number one. Number one, go buck in the trend. Okay. This is an easy one. Light and fluffy. Okay. Okay. Uh, who is your favorite drought era bill and why? Oh boy. Um, I guess I could, I could probably give a stock answer like Stevie Johnson or maybe even like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, I I think I would probably go more of like a like a Fred Jackson route. I think I really liked Fred Jackson. A lot of the drought, honestly, I was you know, on the younger side of things. I wasn't completely aware of my surroundings as far as football goes for a lot of the drought. But you know, I did really look up to a guy like Fred Jackson because he was he was a leader. You know, he was he kind of brought that Kyle Williams feel to your team. He was somebody that you can always look at to be positive. He was a guy in the locker room that was always leading the way. And he was just a hardworking guy. You could just tell he, he kind of embraced what Buffalo was all about, just like Kyle Williams, just a hardworking, you know, put your head down, get your get your shit done, just that kind of attitude. And I always respected Fred Jackson for that. I thought he was a great guy in Buffalo. Yeah, I I he's one of my favorites too. I love that he was undrafted, went to I mean a college I don't ever even know existed if it wasn't for Fred Jackson. Um, and he came in and he earned a spot and he earned those carries. Cause if you remember that he had some really stacked uh, running back rooms back in those days, mm-hmm. I mean, sharing the load with uh, CJ Spiller and Marshawn Lentz, I believe for a little while, yes, but, yes. Um, and he was an MVP candidate like halfway through the year. And I don't remember what year it is. It might've been like 2012, 2013, the year he got hurt. He was just tearing it up. Mm. and uh you know there's a lot of reasons to love those little undrafted guys that come onto your team like the underdogs on your team are always your easy fan favorites absolutely and it's like especially not if not if his story is not enough to root for him the way he he able he was able to fight for a roster spot just like i said how he was able to just kind of capture the the hearts of the team and the the fan base and just as if his story wasn't enough, just the guy he was and the teammate he ended up turning out to be was just, it it just made it all that much better. Yeah. And he played a long time too. Of course he didn't, he started late, but he also, you know, 33, 34, I think he went over to Seattle and he wasn't super productive then, but he was still hanging around in the league. That's, that's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we always really have been a run first team for, for a while now. This is the, these years that we've got and we've had Josh Allen these past couple of years are the first few years that we've really been a pass first sort of team. We've always been run first. And Fred Jackson was, I, I would say, probably just up there with LaShawn McCoy. I mean, I, I don't know. 
I don't know if I'd say he was better for the Bills. I don't know. I think that would be an interesting conversation. But, you know, he's right up there as one of the better Bills running backs that we've had in franchise history, to be truthful. I'm going to say something that's not very popular and you're probably going to, you're probably going to scream at me on the other end of this monitor, but um, LaShawn McCoy wasn't my guy. Not that I didn't appreciate how good he was, but yeah, he just came over from the Eagles. I I never felt like he was one of ours truly. Mm. And you know, he was here three years. I don't think he made it through the fourth year. I don't uh, but he wasn't here very long. And right. I know like Bill's mafia latched onto him because he still had some ability when he was here. Uh, but to me, me personally, not speaking for anybody else, he never felt like our guy. Like he felt like kind of a rental and a mercenary. No, I get that. I get that for sure. I think, yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. I, I don't think it takes away from how much I enjoyed him. And it, maybe it's different in that sort of sense, but I completely understand what you're saying because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't obviously wasn't drafted here. He was already established somewhere else. I mean, he was coming over from the Eagles where he already was an established guy. He was like, LaShawn McCoy was already that guy when he was with the Eagles. And then he came over here. Was well, still that guy, but I, I get what you're saying. He was never really, he didn't like find himself in Buffalo. So I, I definitely get what you're saying. Yeah. I'd have to say that my favorite, I mean, there's so many good, easy, easy picks, right? You could say Kyle Williams, um, Stevie Johnson, like you said, mine was always uh, Lee Evans. And uh, I'll never back down from this argument, but I feel like if you put Lee Evans on a real offense, (laughs) uh, 20% more stats, more yards, more touchdowns, like we – we got the best out of him, mm-hmm. but I feel like we just left so much on the table with him because we didn't have a real NFL offense for most of the drought. In fact, yep. the entire drought. Uh, but I, I liked Lee. He felt like a quiet leader. Like he didn't seem to like be chasing attention. He just went out there and caught footballs and did his thing and mm-hmm. um, real quiet. And you can tell like he was an intellectual type, but he was my guy. I got a, a jersey hanging in the other room. Yeah, I liked I liked it. there. I feel like there were a lot of guys that you could say that about that that were sort of not trapped in Buffalo, but they just were never able to really show what they can actually do because they just weren't with the best offense. I think there were a, a few guys that came through here that you really thought if they had a quarterback or if they had a better offensive line, whatever the case may be, they could have really been something, which is unfortunate. But nevertheless, I think they still probably enjoyed their time here. I think just being a Buffalo Bill player. It's. I think it's. I mean, I obviously I can't speak for them, but I think from what you know, the players would say themselves, just on social media and in interviews, they just enjoy being here. They just enjoy being a player for the for the team because of the fan base in the city. Yeah, it is. It's weird how they turn on it, right? Like you hear how maybe people are not super happy about being drafted to Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, well, Marshawn Lynch is the exception. <laughs> he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't know where Buffalo was, but. Um, they, they come and they play and they meet the mafia and that, I mean, the stadium is old, but it's got like some kind of like nostalgic value to it. Like mm-hmm. I want to say like, it's like old Fenway park or something. Uh, and that's not a true apples to apples <laughs> comparison, but um, I feel like it's got some, maybe it's because I'm a bills fan, but to me, I feel like going there on NFL Sundays, hearing all the crowd get into it, like, and it, it really is a big centerpiece of the community and, and um, the, the fans, the mafia. I think we are a very educated fan base. Um, you can go around the country and I don't think you get the same yeah. kind of consensus. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah definitely. Well, I, 
I love an indie, and I I mean I don't want to put a blanket on everybody, but like Peyton Manning, Robert Mathis, Reggie Wayne, and then uh, that's where my knowledge kind of ends, you know. Mm. Um, but and, and that's not obviously anybody, but with the Bills fans, like we're talking about the end of the roster guys and who's going to get cut, and uh, yeah, I. I don't know. I just, I think that it being what it is and like a pillar in the center of that community is, is just makes it really special. And I mean, players love it. I think they do. Yeah, they absolutely seem, they seem to love it. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there'd be any reason for them to be lying about it. I I think it is also helpful that, you know, everybody talks about how nice it would be to have an NBA team here or uh, a major league baseball team here, which it would be. um, I'm not saying it wouldn't be by any means, but I think, only having between the Sabres and the Bills, I think we all sort of just latch on what we have, and that's what makes us kind of rally around these teams. I think, you know, maybe like Tampa Bay, for example, they have all these successful sports teams, and, you know, people are fans here and here and here. It's not really like they're all latching on to one. You know, like we only have the Bills and the Sabres, so we only have the choice to latch on and become fans and become almost a a family of a fan base to one team. So I think that's, you know, an upside to only having two professional teams here. Yeah. Okay. Well, caveman, what else you got for me? Um, I don't know. You got any other questions? I'm, I'm interested. I, I like to, I like to be tested if you got anything else. Well, if you want another question, I'll give you another question. Which yeah. one would you like? Um, let's go with 10. Just go to the back now. <laughs> okay. You're going to like this one. Cause okay. you and I are going to, we are going to disagree. My friend. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Tell me why you want Zach Ertz on this team. Oh my, how did why I, is how did it not? not happened yet? I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. I, I really don't understand it. It seems to make sense in my mind and what appeared to be everyone else's mind for a, a long time, but I, I don't know. I, I always thought that you know Sean McDermott and Bri- uh, Brian Dable, more Sean McDermott, but. He made comments that would sound like he was looking for more production at the tight end position, that maybe he was looking for an improvement there. It just seemed to make sense. I guess I would attribute it not happening to the stubbornness of of Howie Roseman and just the Eagles not really wanting to to deal with the situation possibly. But I, I guess maybe it's just gotten to the point where, you know, maybe the Bills and Brandon Bean specifically are just like, you know, I, I'm done. And that, that could have been – his decision a while ago where he, he was just like, I'm not going to deal with you anymore. The upgrade that I'm getting in Zach Ertz over what we got is not enough to go through this trouble. And he, he might've just given up. And I don't know where these rumor Twitter pages, all these people are getting this BS from, but they're clearly extremely wrong and they're ruining their own reputation by continuing to report on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ryan Talbot. I, I mean, I, I like Matt Prino and I like Ryan Talbot. I listen to their show. Um, but he came out and said last week that I don't have any sources, but this trade is going to get done in the next couple of days. I I don't buy it at all. Like, well, he said that last week. It's been yeah. almost a week. <laughs> but like, why would you say it? Like, I don't have any sources, but yeah, why would you even put yourself under that sort of under that sort of spotlight? You're just you're asking to be wrong at that point, especially with this situation. Yeah, I think the Stefan Diggs restructure was meant for this to happen. I think that's what they were going for. Yeah. And much, much to my chagrin, I don't think Steven Nelson's going to be a bill because I think it'd be happening already. Yep. Um, but I think you're right. I think 
I'm guessing Bean's offering something like, okay, we'll take the salary on. Here's a, here's a fifth. And he's like, well, I want a third. And they're trying to see who flinches, I guess. Yeah. That's why things going on. Yeah, me too. And I, I don't think, I don't think the bills are going to be the ones to flinch. I think we're, we'll probably, I, I truthfully think we're, we're out of that, that sweepstakes if it's even existing anymore. I don't even know. I couldn't even predict what's going to happen with that situation because something tells me that I, I don't think Zachary is even going to play for the Eagles. If he's still on the roster, maybe he'll hold out. Who knows what he's going to do, but it doesn't even seem like he necessarily is happy there either from what I've read at least. Well, he doesn't have to be in a hurry to get rid of him because I mean, he's going to, it's going to be the same. It's after June 1st. So he doesn't have to release him now. He doesn't have to trade him now. He can hold on to it and wait and see if things change. Um, But I, I think it'd be silly to release him and not get something back for him. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, how stubborn could you possibly be? You just have to, it just gets to a point where it's not going to be a situation that works out for the Eagles at the end of the day. So why even, like you said, why even bother trying to gouge as much as you can? Just, just realize that you're not going to get what you want. Just take what you can get really. Yeah. I, 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 if the bills do not get him via the trade, I don't think he's coming here. If he gets released, I think he's going to Indy. But this is, here's something I want your thoughts on cave man, because you and I can agree that having that elite tight end is a huge advantage for your offense, right? There's only like, four, maybe five that can make a difference that way in the NFL. And do you think Zach Hertz is that guy? Because if he is, where's the list of people that want to give up their third round pick for? Yeah, I remember you I remember you asking, I'm not sure who it was, but you you brought this up with somebody else. I remember you mentioning this. And I want to say yes, but not not to like a to a top tier level extent. Like I'm not saying he's going to come in and make a Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller impact because that is not even close to what is going to happen. I just think he offers just a, a reliability, just a, a safe of uh, sense of security from the tight end position, and I think that is extremely important. I think at the tight end, at the very least, that's what you that's what you need from them just a, just a safety blanket, and then you get like your Travis Kelseys and your George Kittles that go in above and beyond, and they're that elite style of tight end. But I just don't even think we get any security from our tight ends whatsoever. I mean, I don't know about Jacob Hollister. I'm not sure what we're actually going to get. I hope that's what he turns into. But nevertheless, I think Zach Ertz just offers this sense of security for Josh Allen that I don't think Cole Beasley could really, you know, offer. I think Cole Beasley is somebody that is our safety blanket, but how much could he be that safety blanket? Truly? I think he needs, I think that job needs to be spread out amongst a couple of different guys. And I think the tight end should be that role and, I don't think we get it. And Zach Ertz could be that guy in my eyes. Yeah. He's not making a lot of moves. He complained about it. Right. So the, we didn't get much from the tight ends. It's, I can't remember if it was Brandon Bean or McDermott that said that, but mm-hmm. I think it was McDermott, but you didn't, we're not making any moves outside of this speculation to get that area upgraded. Now we'll get Sweeney back, which I think Sweeney's going to be kind of like a Jacob Hollister type, like nothing flashy. Maybe he can do well because uh, Theoretically, you can get some volume, you know, but nothing super flashy. And then you have Knox still that we just keep hoping and hoping and hoping that he'll figure it out. Um, and I'm rooting for him. I mean, I'm, I'm not rooting against him, but if I'm thinking objectively, like maybe you ought to do something to, to kind of guard against that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's a 
it's an interesting, it's definitely an interesting topic of conversation, especially with how things have played out. But I, I don't know. I, I do think Zach Ertz, just to answer your question to finalize my thoughts, I do think he could be considered probably around a seven or eight, maybe six range of tight ends in the NFL. And I think he wouldn't necessarily be that elite style or even close to it for that matter. But I do think he offers more security than your average tight end. I guess it's like this weird middle ground. I, I sort of view Zach Ertz as, but he definitely is nowhere on the level of Kittle or Waller at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah. I'm, I'm generally against it. Like I don't want to give up a traffic. I don't want to give him a salary. If he's not going to be that guy, I don't want to pay him that salary. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not really looking to make room for him or give him another contract, whatever. But I guess that if it happened, I could probably just be like, yeah, I guess it's fine, whatever. Like, I'm not going to be angry about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel about it as well. It's, it, I would be happy, obviously, because I am a supporter of it. And I could understand why you wouldn't want to pay a guy that's not going to be that top-tier tight end. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think he could offer a different dimension to the offense that we really lack. And I, I know you've been on the Jacob Hollister tight end one train a little bit, and I, I'm, I'm starting to fall in those footsteps just because of the Zacherts move is simply not happening. Ha ha, we're wearing yeah. you down. Yes, you, you are. I... <laughs> <laughs> uh... All right, Caveman, you got anything else? I think I'm all good. I appreciate you having me on as always. Okay, you can find the Caveman on the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. Uh, if you've not heard of the caveman and you're listening to me in podcast form, please go over there and check out the caveman. He, he brings it. He's got a, a, a unique style. He's very bold and energetic. Energetic is what I want to say. Um, and I think you'll enjoy him. Please go check him out. Caveman. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you too, Vince. Bills Mafia next up in the hot seat today, we have Dan Konopsky, who you may or may not realize is trying desperately to get the word out to Reed Ferguson because he really wants to be friends. But Dan's also very, very funny, and he has a, a ton of other videos and things. He, he makes me chuckle. I saw a video last week that literally made me laugh out loud, and uh, I fell in love with the guy. So, Dan, how you doing? I'm great. Uh, thank you so much, Vince, for having me. That's a, a glowing endorsement. I, I That's the nicest compliment you can give somebody. Um, I certainly hope you're not laughing at me um, because I'll tell you, friendship, especially in the modern age, is is no laughing matter. Uh, you know, it's, it's all we have in this world. And I'm just really, really trying to make this happen with uh, our all-star long snapper, our currently highest paid NFL long snapper, Reed Ferguson. Reed, if you're out there and you're listening to this, and I know you are, because who wouldn't be listening to Buffalo on the Brain <laughs> right now? I know you're out there. I know you can hear me. Please, like I say, you know, answer my letters, answer my calls, lift the restraining order. Let's hang out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, no, I'm not mocking you. I'm not laughing at you. I generally genuinely do enjoy uh your humor and uh that's what made me want to bring you on so uh i'm not sure if you're familiar with the drill or not but i have 10 questions in front of me numbers one and ten are off the board which one would you like uh let's go with number two okay 
it's an this one's a little bit of a non-bills question, but uh, I like the debate on this one because for some reason there are still people out there who want to compare Tua to Josh. So we're going into Tua's sophomore season. What do you think his stat line is going to look like at the end of the year? Uh, for for legitimacy's sake, I will uh, take off the the mask and the facade here and just answer honestly as, as a fan of football and, and and as an individual. I think Tua and and the Dolphins are in for a very exciting couple of years. I think he's actually uh, posed to do a lot better than obviously his breakout season. There's a number of things that are going to go into that. They got themselves uh, a really cool young uh, draft class this year as well. It is going to be. Uh, a, ch- a challenge for anybody in their division, and and it, it, I can say honestly, I I would much rather face a difficult Dolphins team as the Bills than any Patriots team ever at any point. I, I just I feel like we've just got the Dolphins number. I think Tua could have an All Star kick ass season this coming year, but something about Josh Allen and our coaching staff. We've just got them in this headlock, and we just refuse to let them go. We've just got their number. The torch has been passed. It is no longer the Pats bullying the the Bills. It is the Bills bullying everyone and kicking the 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 shit out. Am I allowed to swear on the shit? Whatever, fuck it. Uh, kicking the you know the you know what out of the Dolphins. And boy, it's just been glorious to watch. He is what one dropped clay. Uh, Charles Clay pass away from like a perfect record against the Dolphins, our, our glorious quarterback, Josh Allen. I, I'm not worried about them. Tua himself, he's fast, he's quick, he's young, he's got lots of you know time to improve, and he got to learn from uh, the man himself, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that, that's pretty neat. That's something that not a lot of uh, uh, young quarterbacks are going to get the uh, you know the added benefit of, of having that tutelage under him. So he's dangerous. He's going to be good, but. I don't think he's anything for us to worry about. Not for a long time. Did you know Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? And he has a big beard. <laughs> he has mm-hmm. a big beard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're really thinking very highly of Tua. Maybe a little bit higher than most Bills fans. The way I see it, either I'm right, sort of leaning into it with higher expectations, and then I just get to be right, or I'm wrong, and I get to watch a divisional opponent quarterback crash and burn and just enjoy it that way so it's a win-win for me i don't care (laughs) there you go i don't necessarily want to see anybody fail i'm not rooting for anybody to fail in the nfl that much as i am rooting for our us and our organization to succeed so man that's a very uh altruistic outlook i wish i had some of that in me but i want to i hate everybody in the division and i root against them hardcore I can never bring myself to root for the Patriots or Cam Newton or yeah or Mac Jones or any of those guys. Like it's I want to see it's them a, all It's a karma thing. Like sure, of course. Like a part of me wants to see Juju injure himself while making a TikTok because that would be hilarious and ironic and funny. But I'm not going to wish that energy into uh, you know into the into the universe. It's just going to come back to you. So. Let's, let's you know of course I would love to see Rob Gronkowski like try to headbutt Trey White again and accidentally bury his own head two feet <laughs> in the ground uh, on a miscalculation on a misjudgment. But I'm I'm not the one that's going to be rooting for that. I'd rather just see a good clean game of football be played. My man Dan, very good guy. Not only is he funny, but 
he's very altruistic. I, I appreciate that. Thank All you. right, Dan, you got anything for me? Oh man. Uh, oh, questions for you. I, I love to ask this as often as I can, because it's no, nothing that anybody would ever think about normally, but who jumps out to you as the most handsome player on the bills team? <laughs> Did you post that the other day? I feel like I've seen that. I, I, I've asked that a couple of times. Anytime I, I follow tons of creators that do live uh, you know, shows on YouTube and, and that are always saying, go throw us some football questions. I, I love to throw that one in there because nobody ever expects it. And now I want to know. Now I'm curious. I feel like there's a good debate to be had here. So I think the ladies really like Matt Milano. That's more often than not the number one answer that I, I get when I ask that question about our, our Bills team. He's got something going on. He's got he's got those eyes. I think there's a lot of ladies that like Stefan too. He's funny too. He's ve- he's he he's twi- he's about as I would say almost as if not as Twitter savvy as as I am. So that should that should say something. Um, <laughs> he's a very funny guy. He's pretty good at football too. I don't know if you watched any of his highlights. Uh, Stefan Diggs can he can catch a ball or two. He's pretty. Stephon good. Diggs. I'll have to check him yeah. out. I'll have to look into that. Up and coming talent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Dan, tell the good people how they can find you on Twitter. Um, my name is Dan. You also might find me as Dank or at KNOP917 on Twitter. The one thing you can expect from me, at least for the next short little while, are daily videos. Uh, little skits, little little things I do, all, all revolving around me attempting to befriend so generously our uh, beautiful bald-headed long snapper Reed Ferguson. Uh, <laughs> that's what I've been up to for the last month and will likely continue into uh, August. Uh, in the meantime, I, I just make funny, silly little things here or there. Sometimes I'll post them to Twitter or YouTube, but uh, you, you can poke around. I'm sure you'll find me during when, when games are happening live. I'll be live tweeting stuff, uh, uh, but there's there's so many great, m- much more qualified football-related creators to listen to, and I'll tell you, by being here right now and listening to uh, Buffalo on the Brain, Vince Taylor, you're already in the right place. So. Uh, thank you, by the way, for having me. I really appreciate it. You want to give me a follow? That would be great. Uh, otherwise, Vince, you're you're the man. You're the bro. Do you have a YouTube channel? I do. Uh, it's it's an under a different name. You can if you search Heisenberg White, uh, you will find a lot of my Twitter videos are reuploaded there. Sometimes I'll just think of silly little skits and ideas uh, unrelated to Bill stuff. I'll throw there too and. You know, it's a story as old as time. You know, I, I got my start in, in Bill's sports media by, you know, the same way that I imagine you did it, which is making hours of commentary reaction videos to Dateline NBC's To Catch a Predator. Uh, I figure that's how everybody gets their start. That's what I did. Uh, so there's a little bit of that kicking around. And uh, sometimes I like to make, you know, just amateur stuff. <laughs> Don't school. <laughs> I it's a rabbit hole that i don't think anybody's going to enjoy the deeper down you go when you get to find if you're digging around for information on me you find my mugshot. you can stop there you don't have to read about the charges they were dropped it's cool it's unrelated to, to anything i tell you all those houses did catch on fire completely randomly i just happened to be in the vicinity of them so it's it's cool it's settled out of court don't worry about it um but anyway uh again thank you so much what was i supposed to do shout my socials sorry <laughs> <laughs> nah man we're all good 
Dan and I, Dan Konopsky. I think I got that right. I'm probably going to I'm good because I, if I got it wrong, I was going to keep getting it wrong. I didn't want to do that. But uh, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. I uh, I enjoy your stuff, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go look for all that. And uh, I look forward to maybe we can collaborate here in the future. So thank you so much for taking a few minutes for me tonight, Dan. I would love to collaborate again. That sounds great. Oh, football cannot come here soon enough. I'm so excited. Um, well, I guess that'll do it. I'll, I'll wait for my check in the mail. Uh, after we like ten thousand dollars, you said for doing this interview. Yeah, as long as it's a check. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Okay, we'll just talk to my accountant. We'll we'll be good. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks, Dad. Bill's Mafia. That's it. That's all I have. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Hot Seat. I'm really big fans of Caveman and Dan Knopsky. Please go check out their work. Until next week, I'll talk to you again. Please squeeze somebody close to you. Tell somebody that you love them and be kind to everybody. Go Bills. Stefan. All right, man, your boy Gerald did pretty good. Gerald got 136 points. You need 64 to win. You ready? Gotcha. All right, let's remind everybody of Gerald's answers. 25 seconds on the clock, please. Here we go. We asked 100 married women, if if men wore loincloths, what size would your husband wear? Medium. Name something a squirrel might do if another squirrel stole its nuts. Beat him up. Try again. Steal it back. How many rounds do most boxing matches go? 12. Finish this phrase. Leave it what? In. Name something specific. Let <laughs> <laughs> some specific people put it. I got outfit in my mouth. Is this real? Oh my God. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. It's over. Go home. Go.